All right, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Hey, real quick, if um, you speak Spanish as your primary language and you're joining us today, I just want you to know that we have a Bible study in room 119 that you're welcome to join us in right now. If you'd rather hear the word in Spanish, that'll be more beneficial for you. Si hablas español, tenemos una biblioteca estudia. I know you guys are like, what in the world just happened? Tenemos una estudia biblioteca en corto 119. Y puede pasar tiempo con nosotros. Vamos a predicar la palabra para allá. Okay, so thank you guys very much. That was terrible if you don't know Spanish. It was not good, but they might have understood me. So y'all can go back there. We'd love for you to join us, hear the word in your home. Uh, language. So glad that you're all here together. We uh, have had a vision of building a, a group of people who worship and sing together as one body, and then different groups hear the word preached in their heart language. We would love to see that happen, uh, not just with Spanish, but Vietnamese and all the different languages represented in our city. We really want to see that be an amazing thing that God does. So we're just building, looking towards that. Uh, we want to be a place for that. So if you know someone, you're like, I would invite them, but they don't speak English. Don't worry about that. The Lord has been very good. Uh, probably most of the languages you could find around here, there's probably somebody here who speaks that uh, by God's grace and provision. So we want to be uh, as considerate as we can to be able to take the gospel in all these different ways. So just bring them, invite them, and we'll figure it out. But we do have that for uh, your Spanish friends and neighbors if you want to invite them as well. We're going to be offering either translation in the service or a time uh, for Bible study in Spanish over there. Uh, so just want you guys to know that as the ushers come, they're taking the offering. I want to, as they take the offering, y'all go ahead and do that. I want to kind of give you a little picture about what you're giving to as we continue to do this. Yesterday, we were in uh, the back of West Falls Church, like a Graham Road Community Center. Uh, we did a farmer's market, and really, in just a couple hours, we served about 61 families, and that represented more than 200 people. Amen. Yeah, this was really good. If you were there, raise your hand. Let me see. Y'all, y'all, many of y'all showed out. It was a last-minute kind of thing. But we were there, really able to, to meet many people in the midst of different needs, share the gospel with everybody. It was an amazing thing, and that's like when I feel most alive, when we're out there doing the work of God. Uh, and so this is what we want to do. We want to be a group of people who really reaches the community with the gospel and with everything else, too. And we want to be a blessing both holistically. We say mind, body, and soul, body, and soul, body, and soul. This was Jesus' ministry was body and soul, body and soul. So we want to join him in that. So we did that yesterday, and the Lord, I think, really worked through it. And in it, this is what we are all about. When you're giving to City Light Church, this is our goal. This is our mission. This is our aim is to really invest in the lives of the community and make a real difference, a real impact for Jesus' name and to bless them any way that we can. So, So when you give, have that in mind. Even last uh, Wednesday, John and I, John, who's uh, another one of the pastors here, John Revelo, if you haven't met him, you definitely should. Uh, we, have, we went here. We were in Falls Church High School. We did mentoring on Wednesday, and we ended up in a couple classrooms just to kind of hang with students. I'm telling you, it was a very interesting experience, you know. I forget, like, 16-year-olds don't give a rip about nothing, man. They don't care. I'm like a lick, you know. It's amazing. God bless all you parents of 16, 15, 17-year-olds out there. May the Lord be with you. Uh, but when I went in the classroom, you know, they don't know me from nobody. And the teacher's like, you know, I know what you're here for, but I don't really have anything for you to do. So just, you know, figure it out. You know, I'm like, okay, like, what am I supposed to do, you know? And uh, I just kind of sit back there. I began to talk. And, you know, little by little. They're like, okay, this guy's not so crazy. I even wore my hat backwards just so they didn't feel like, you know, I felt like, okay, this guy's cool. You know, he can hang uh, trying to represent, you know, it's real stupid. 
stupid, I know, but I did it. I did it. We all do that. Don't act like you don't do stuff like that. So I walk in there and try to look as young as I possibly could. I've noticed when I wear my hat backwards, people think I'm 25, 26. Okay? That's normally what they'll tell me. Uh, I'm 33. So it takes about seven years off my off my age. So I went in there like that. You know what was cool, though? After they, they began to warm up, the experience uh, got really good. Uh, I met kids. This was like 10 kids in my classroom. Out of the 10 kids, I at least found out there was a Pakistan, Pakistan Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Yeah. And out of 10 kids in that classroom, I didn't even talk to all of them, so who knows, where else? And then John was saying the same thing. He was like, bro, was like every, every kid was from a different country, man. It was crazy. And I want you guys just to see what God has done by planting us here. What God has done when he says, go make disciples of all nations, man, really make an impact across the world. And he's saying, wow, we're definitely going to do that and take trips and go overseas and things like that. But the world, as we know, has been brought here, not just to D.C., but to this high school, to this community. And we have an amazing opportunity to meet them where they're at in the name of Jesus as equals all of us broken people needing a savior. We meet them. And we're going to use the word community partnership instead of outreach because we really believe that we're just partnering with what the community is doing. We're not up here bending down. We're just partnering. We're partnering and we're helping each other out. And so this is what we want to see come to pass in the community. God has placed us here. So when you give, you're giving to things like that. I would encourage you to join us in this work. Multiple stories in the classroom where, yeah, my family was fleeing violence. We got here last year. Whether it was from Pakistan or Honduras or El Salvador, that was the general theme. All the students could resonate with that. Yeah, it was really, my family was fleeing violence. We ended up here. And just think about the culture change, the life change, all the things that are taking place. And we, God, has put his people smack dab in the middle of it for a reason. So I just want your heart, I want you to be encouraged by that. And I also want you to be motivated to say what we're doing, the Lord is blowing, he's behind. He has placed us here for a reason, to take the gospel to the nations and to reach, particularly this school, this community, this city. And we're in the midst of doing that little by little. And I'm calling you both financially and your time in every way to join us in doing the best we can. I also want, I've been thinking a lot this week before we jump into the text. Sometimes the Lord, you know, just like says things more clearly and directly. And over the last few weeks, I've just felt like the calling on my life right now, in some degree, is to take the Bible and use it like a spiritual hammer and just break through the glass, the thing that has keeps us, because we call unusual what the Bible calls normal. This is super important, guys. We call unusual what the Bible calls normal. So let's say shouting, screaming, whatever. Sometimes, some of us are like, yeah, I do that all the time. Okay, great. I'm glad you're here. You can help us. A lot of us are like, man, super unusual. I'm uncomfortable with that. It's not my personality. And the point is not whether it's your personality or not. The point is that it's normative in the Bible. Amen. When people worship Jesus, no matter what their Enneagram type, they're going nuts. You know, they're shouting joyfully, whatever Myers Briggs, whatever your personality thing is. No matter what, the, the rhythm of the Bible is to worship extravagantly. It's normal. The weirdos are the ones not worshiping extravagantly. They're the calm ones. Like, what are you so calm about? What in the world is wrong with you? You know, that's what we want to create here. We look around like, if you're doing this, like, what's wrong? What happened? What's wrong? It's normal. Or I was just talking to somebody today about creating a culture where we go out two by two and we're sharing the gospel, and without anybody running a program or anything like that, we team up and we just walk around and see what God would do. Mm-hmm. You know what we call that? Unusual. You know what the Bible calls it? 
Luke chapter 10. That's what the Bible calls it. Normal. And I just feel this calling as, as one of the leaders and pastors here is just whatever way I can. Using the Bible, I want you to remember anything as Lord willing, as best I can, anything we do comes out of a biblical principle. The truth from the word that we stake our lives on. We say we're word people. The word says it's normal to just go out and let the spirit lead and just see what happens. Talk to people about Jesus without a plan. Okay, shoot, let's do it. I don't need a church to run a program for me. The Bible says it's normal to express yourself no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your personality type. Okay. And I just sense a calling with this group particularly just to take that hammer every week and just you know, just break through the facade that we put up or the reasons we give to not do this or that. Okay, so I just, I'm just going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pushing. I feel like there's a ceiling, you know, or like the, like Clayton said, a glass ceiling she was trying to break through. I feel like there's that. There's like a, a ceiling that limits our potential. And if we can break through and begin to call normal what the Bible calls normal and stop calling it unusual, we're going to make an unusual difference. The more normal we stay our normal, the less specific and remarkable our difference is. But the more we say what's normal, we don't call it unusual anymore. The more we say what the Bible says is normal and we act that way, I think we just break through and our potential gets higher and higher for really making the kingdom impact. I really believe that. I feel as clear as day. The Lord's like, Nate, just every week, use the Bible and just start breaking people's barriers. Whatever the facade, professionalism, I don't care fear, whatever, we're going to take the word and we're just going to start banging it away until we get rid of that and we can express ourselves in worship, we share the gospel without fear and a thousand other things the Lord calls us to do that the Bible says is normal and we call unusual. Like confession. Like being in a group of people where you tell them your stuff. We say, yo, that's unusual. The Bible says that's very normal. To pray for serious amounts of time, to really give ourselves, not, you know, not moving around, not, not doing something, just praying, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Unusual, but the Bible calls it normal. And so we're just going to keep pressing into that. What the Bible calls, what we call unusual, the Bible calls normal, and I really believe the call in this church is to begin to live like the Bible is normal for us. Now, something that's going to help us get there is what we're calling the blessing room, which is a prayer room. Uh, but we have cards based off a thing called Bless Every Home where we can pray for every name in the 3,000 names in our city. And we have that room dedicated from 9 to 11 before service and during service to pray not only for our city but for our services, for our time together. And, you know, last week I was we preaching, we had, we had a service, and, you know, sometimes you just sense, like, I don't know what else to call it, a special, like, anointing on the service. Not necessarily it was different, just it felt like God's hand was, was really active, and sometimes it doesn't feel that way, and it still is. I'm not saying that's everything, but I just sense like something's moving here. It feels different, and it feels like the Lord is really up to something. And then I was telling John and the guys that later, and they reminded me, yo, we started the prayer room last week. And while you were preaching, and while we were preparing, people were in that room praying from 9 to 11. Like people, multiple people. Not one solo prayer warrior, you know. Multiple people were in that room from 10 to 11 during the service while we're singing and while we're praying. There's no wonder there was a special anointing on that moment. There's no wonder God was moving in that moment. We were praying. And so remember, that was number two. We want to be a people that are dependent on prayer, dependent on prayer, dependent on prayer. So this is one of the ways we can live that out. So I'm just calling all of you to participate that way. Line it up in your schedule. 
Every week, once every month, whatever. But join us in the prayer room, the blessing room, 9 to 10 or 10 to 11 or whatever, 9 to 11. But this is integral to what we're doing. I believe it's integral to us beginning to call normal what the Bible calls normal. So join us there. I want to go ahead and let you guys know. So we're in the middle of our core value series. Our first three we talked about is number one, we're all about Jesus. Number two, we are dependent on prayer. Number three, we are occupied with the word. The fourth one is we are led by the spirit. So that's today. There's seven total. We're going to have a seven-week series defining who we are, what we're all about, what God has called us to. So core value number four is we are led by the Spirit. And I think this might be the most important sermon of the whole series, not because the content is more important than the other content, but because it's the most misunderstood. It's the most misunderstood content, the Spirit of God. Who is He? What does He do? What should we expect? When we sing the Spirit's moving, what does that mean? When the Bible says to be led by the Spirit, what does that mean? And some of you have had good experiences. Some of you have had bad. Some of you have seen when things kind of go crazy, when people say they're engaging with the Spirit, but you're like, something's off, you know, the Word's not central. And then some of you have been places where they don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of my old, one of the, somebody that I had followed before, uh, he would say that in evangelical Christianity, the Trinity is Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. <laughs> Just leave the spirit out. Too confusing, too messy, too subjective. We don't know. So we just leave it out and we just... And I want to be a group of people because it's in the book who prioritize the work of the spirit. Who know what it means to say we are led by the spirit. And just to give you a little, a little taste of that, you know, when we started this church, we were uh, just trying to figure out where to go. So the Lord had worked from different places to say, okay, DC's... Yeah. And then we're thinking, okay, where do we want to go? We want to be within walking distance of people that uh, are under-resourced. So that was a big thing for us to be accessible. So we're looking at Annandale, different places. And I'll never forget, one Thursday night when I was teaching a Bible study called City at McLean Bible Church, uh, Jen Yu, who does the welcome table here, came up to me after the service and had mentioned how a student in her classroom had died uh, because he was murdered in a gang thing. And they really needed some male mentors in that school. And I was like, man, that's really interesting timing. I wonder what is, I've been praying, Lord, where do we go? Didn't know about Foster High School. So I'm like, that's interesting, Lord. I wake up the next day, I go for a run, and I'm asking the Lord for clarity. I want to walk by faith. I need clarity. I'm willing to walk by faith. Just give me some sort of clarity. What do we want to do here? This is an important decision. Like, where are we going to go? So that was an interesting conversation I had last night, but that could just be an interesting conversation. I don't want to overread it. So, Lord, just keep giving me. You planted it in my mind. Let's see what happens. So, I'm running, and I'm asking the Lord, teach me what does it mean to walk by faith. Second Corinthians 5. Walk by faith. What does that mean? I want to walk by faith. So, I remember these three people uh, that were standing on the bridge, and it was clear as day. The Spirit, it didn't audibly say anything, but it was like, you need to go talk to those people. Right now, you need to go talk to them. And I said, no. You know, I don't want to do that. Absolutely not. I'm running. Can't you see I'm busy, you know? I'm getting healthy. Are you trying to interrupt my health? You know, what is going on? So I run past them, and it seemed as clear as day, like, Nate, if you want clarity, and you want to walk by faith, you need to be obedient. I'm not going to give you clarity if you're not obedient. Why would I tell you where to go if you won't share the gospel right now? And so there's this clear, like, spirit-led in my life, which is a conviction from the word, not a random feeling. Say, this is true. So I'll turn back here. Yes, Lord. Go back. I begin to engage with them. It was a very interesting conversation. Nobody got saved or anything, but I shared the gospel with them. Uh, and anyways, we'll move past that. And we talked for a while, though. I go back, and I pick up my phone, and I had gotten an email from Cindy, Abel, 
Abel, I forget. I know known her for three years. Can't say her last name. Um, we got uh, an email from her, and it was an email that she had just gotten a new job at Timberland Elementary in West Falls Church. And I was like, man, that's really interesting. That's interesting. Falls Church, Falls Church, Falls Church. Okay. Well, the next week, we're just still praying. We're in Annandale Elementary School. I mean, whatever, Braddock. Braddock Elementary School with Jacqueline. She, somewhat, I forget how it happened, but we ended up in Falls Church High School, unplanned, sitting in Carolina's office, who's the parent liaison for the school. We're sitting in her office, and she's explaining this to the community. I've never been to school in my life. Didn't know this community. And she's explaining to us what's going on. And then, ring, 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 uh, a lady calls. She picks it up. And the lady who called her was the person, was the mom of the kid who had died, that Jen told me about like a week before. And so she tells me, and she's, she's talking to her on the phone now. My Spanish is decent enough, not perfect, but decent enough. I was understanding what's happening. I had another pastor there, Gustavo, was with me. And we began to talk to her and pray for her and hear what's going on. Now, she uh, still hadn't buried her son. She didn't know a pastor or have a church. And she said, hey, can you guys do the funeral? We're like, we've never met you a day in our life. We were not planning to be here. And now you're asking us to do the funeral. And so we said, yeah, of course, you know. And so like a week later, uh, he had gotten a cremated, so we had time. About a week later, we go, we do the funeral. And at the funeral, we're the pastors, and we meet everybody. Everybody. Principal, assistant principal, social workers, community leaders, families, friends. There's a lot of people there. And in an instant, in an instant, we had some credibility with the community. Here. That like, we're, we care about you guys. We love you. Like, we're here. And what takes years usually to accomplish, God had given it to us in 10 minutes. And we said, okay, yes, Lord. Like, <laughs> I think based off all of those things, you continue to make it abundantly clear that this is the spot. So then we go and we check. Yeah, it's open. We can do this. We can do that. We plan. We start having preview services. And boom, here we are. And I just want you to give you a little picture. This is really what I really want us to get at because it's a little subjective. It can get a little messy. What does it look like, not just for me, but for all of us to live our life that sensitive to the voice of God, to the leading of the Spirit, to say, man, I'm not going to think every situation is some divine sign from heaven, but being in the Word and tracking along and praying, I'm going to be sensitive to how the Spirit might be leading me at work, at my school, whatever. My story is not unusual by any means. It actually gets a lot weirder than that. And so I want you to just kind of take, this is what I'm talking about. When we're trying to do the mission of God faithfully, and we want to make disciples, the Lord's going to lead, he's going to guide. So that's a little bit what it looks like. So Romans 8, let me read this, and then uh, we're going to go through a few things. Romans 8, 1 through 17. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Uh, in the likeness of sinful flesh. For sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Walk according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. I want that sentence to make an awful lot of sense to us after today and as the years go. It sounds probably ambiguous. I want it to like have hands and feet for us. Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh 
cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, the people of God, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Hard stop. Some of you walked into this room without a relationship with Jesus, without real faith, without trusting in his life, death, and resurrection. You are living by the flesh, and it may be going well now or maybe not. Either way, the end of the flesh is death. Separated from God forever. But if by the Spirit who you get when you believe in Jesus, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Four, here's the sentence. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Now I need like 10 sermon series to unpack this whole thing. I want you to see all that the Spirit is and does, and to neglect the work of the Spirit is to miss out on the whole passage. Even if you just know the Spirit exists, you're not engaging with the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to miss out on the whole passage. I want us to all live in this space. So the word of the day to kind of summarize everything is surrender. Everyone say surrender. 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 That's the word of the day. Surrender. Ultimately, to be led by the spirit of God is to be surrendered to the will of God. This is very simple. To be led by the spirit is to be surrendered to the will of God. I live in a position of surrender, saying, yes, Lord. Surrender. I am surrendered. So two main things about this that we'll see. It'll be simple and sweet. Number one, you need to be surrendered to the will of God. And number two, you need to be sensitive to the voice of God. So surrender to the will of God, sensitive to the voice of God. These are two ways I think we can put handles on what does it mean to be led by the Spirit. So before we get into all that, being surrendered to the will of God and sensitive to the voice of God starts with submission to the Word of God. Super important. So being surrendered to the will of God and sensitive to the voice of God which neither one of these things sometimes are always perfectly clear, a little bit subjective, starts with submission to the Word of God. Amen. We can't be a people led by the Spirit apart from the Word. I don't just, huh, you know, Spirit, lead me. No, no. I'm in the Word saying, Lord, man, what are you saying here? How can I live out the Word in my daily life? We're submitted to the Word. I want to show you a few examples of this in Acts, how the normative way Acts works is word, spirit, word, spirit, word, spirit. This is how a move of God starts. When people have the word, the spirit. Look, Acts 4.4. Many who heard the word believed, and a number of them came to know Christ, 5,000. Acts 4.8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So now you have word and spirit. Acts 4.31. When they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the, say it, Holy, Holy Spirit. spirit. And they continued to speak the word. word of God 
with boldness. Filled with the Spirit, speaking the Word. Filled with the Spirit, Word and Spirit, Word and Spirit. Acts 6-7, the Word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly, and a great many priests came obedient. Acts 9-31, so the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Acts 10.44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. I want to show you this Venn diagram. This is my favorite, all right? This is going to help. So, there's word, spirit, people. The sweet spot is in the middle. All of you have known, probably, if you've at least grown up in any church whatsoever. If not, here's a little lesson for you. We're glad that you're here. Some people live here. People in the spirit, they get together and they, you know, try to like feel something or whatever and do something crazy, but they're not doing the work. So they're out of whack. So they're just seeking an emotional experience or just kind of, you know, trying to do something, you know, they're here. There's people here. And then, which is probably more normal for some of you, there's people here who are just word and people. Let's just hear the word and get the people together, you know. Let's word people. The word, the word, the word. And yes and amen. But what does the Bible say? Here's the sweet spot. The people of God who are empowered by the Spirit of God speak the Word of God. That's the sweet spot. And all of you, myself included, are unbalanced one way or the other. Some of you are all here, and you're like the person like David. about to take your clothes off, you feel the Spirit. We're like, no. No, the Word says everything decently and in order. You know? And then some of y'all are here, and y'all like, man, y'all need to calm down. It's a little uncomfortable, you know. This is getting a little crazy. And you're like, when's the sermon going to start, you know? <laughs> I'll come late next time. <laughs> y'all are here. And you're just like, no, the Spirit leads us to experience God. That's what the Spirit's for. To empower us to not only know God, but to experience Him. To walk with Him. For Him to walk with us. Here. So here's the sweet spot. Oh, that's going to like... We're going to show that all the time, all the time. I want you to get used to that image. That's what we're pursuing, is the middle. As best and as biblically as we can. Alright? So, when the people of God are empowered by the Spirit of God, they proclaim the Word of God, that results in pointing to the Son of God, which glorifies God the Father. So here's the deal. You want to glorify God? You want to make Jesus known? We have to be empowered by the Spirit and proclaiming the Word. These are two things, and we have to do them both. Okay? So, man, people and kids are going to kill me. I got a lot more sermon left, and we got we to figure this out. All right. Maybe we'll do part two next week. You know what? Hey, I might just do that. Okay. There's a lot. This is good. Okay, practical ways. Now, that's the goal. Now I want to show you some practical steps. And I really might do part two. This is too important. Okay, so I'm going to do some of it. We'll see how far we make it. Amen, amen. All right. This is just two. We're going to do a whole weekend. Prayer of the Spirit. Let's do that. All right. So number one, practical ways. You surrender your steps. So you say, Nate, I get what you're saying. Great. No idea what to do. Number one, surrender your steps. Being led by the Spirit means we pursue a spiritual lifestyle. Let me give you some examples. Galatians 5.26, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step. Now Galatians 5 is surrounded by the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh. So basically, to live by the Spirit is to surrender your steps and be holy. It's to surrender my everyday life 
And instead of indulging my flesh, I intentionally, by things I can practically do, I feed my spirit. I pursue spiritual things. I think spiritually minded. I take a break from Instagram and read my Bible. You see what I'm saying? This is real practical. You want to walk by the spirit? Stop indulging the flesh. Even if they're not sinful things in the moment, you know? It's not bad to scroll from time to time, probably. <laughs> but there's a time limit, maybe, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Your conscience will tell you. Or maybe you shouldn't be on that stuff at all because it's leading you to bad things. And you should just get off. All I'm saying is feed your spirit. Live a spiritual lifestyle. So our text, Romans 8, says it like this. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. Set the mind of the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Look at that. You want life and peace? Man, it's right there for you. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. It cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So really, practically, where are you putting your mind? What thoughts are you thinking about? What are you setting your mind on? Are you surrendering your thoughts to Jesus? Are you pursuing spiritual thoughts? Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So some of you, oh, this is so important. I hope you're listening. Some of you have been trying to do the right thing, but you haven't had any power. And it's super frustrating. Because you know what you ought to do, and you can never do it. And you know what you shouldn't do, and you always do it. And you know what the pastor said, and you know what the Bible says, but you still can't do it. And you have enough knowledge of that, and you care enough about spiritual things to be frustrated by it, but you have no power to actually overcome. And some of you walked into this place wanting to do the right thing, but powerless. That's made you frustrated. And maybe some of you walked into this place, and you're on a long path, and maybe you walked away because Christianity got too frustrated. Just frustrated all the time. You might as well just give up. This is stupid. Why do I have to try so hard to not make any progress? And so often I think the reason is we have no idea how to engage with the Spirit. He says, say, if you set your mind on the Spirit, life and peace. If you set your mind on the flesh, you can't please God. And I think about this. Some of you probably heard this before. I think this is really helpful. So I think about a handsaw, okay? So my, my seven-year-old has a handsaw, and he loves to cut things. And I'm teaching him how to use a handsaw, you know? And he has this piece of wood. He's like, you know, he's going on it. And I have to get it started. And then he goes like this, you know, really hard. As hard as he can. And it's, you know, and it doesn't work. Now, we know what I said to him. And any of you who know what I'm talking about, you're going to know. Say, so, hey, let the saw do the work. You are trying too hard. You know what's unique about using a handsaw is it's not necessarily how hard you push. It's where you put it. And you got to let the saw do the work. you got to position it in the right place. And then you can just do like this. And you'll make it all the way down. And this is so true. Oh my goodness, it's so important. So many of us are trying to live the Christian life as hard as we can. You know what I'm saying? Ha, I'm going to do the right thing. You know, you feel really powerful today, leave service. And then tonight you're like, man, you know. That's because you can't rely on me or our service or anything like that. You have to rely on the Spirit. And you got to put your life in the right position so that when you try to do what the God has called you to do, because you do have to do something. You can't be passive like, oh, Lord, make me holy. You can't do that. 
And many of you know that, but you're on the other side where you're, you know, you're trying so hard. And you're not making progress. You're tired and frustrated. Like, this is stupid, you know? And, like, you just give up. And I know so many, that's so normal when I'm talking to people in counseling or whatever in my own life. I just try to do the right thing without empowering the spirit because I haven't positioned myself in the right place. With a spiritual mind on spiritual things in the word. You know what I'm saying? If I submit to the word, that's part of the way I position myself. So that when I try to go do what I know the word requires, I have received power from the word that morning. That enables me to do what? Bear the fruits of the spirit. Not the works of the spirit. Bear the fruit of the Spirit. Do you guys know? This is, man, I just, we might just have to end here because this is so important. Self-control is a byproduct of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Self-control is not a discipline to be formed. It's a byproduct of a spiritual life. Yes. Why is it called a fruit of the Spirit? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to be disciplined. Of course not. But what I'm saying is you try to discipline yourself to have control, and you're not positioning yourself to receive the power from the Spirit, you'll be powerless. And you won't have self-control, or it'll only be momentary. And so many of these things, joy, kindness, whatever, we try to force them into being. And we all know you can't force something to bear fruit. It's either connected to the source or not. It either abides in the source or not. And if we abide in the Spirit, the Bible says we are going to bear the fruits of the Spirit. To live a Spirit-filled life is to be surrendered to the Spirit, to surrender your steps. Number two, surrender your skills. Being led by the Spirit means we use our spiritual gifts. This is very practical. Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also. I don't know if you heard that, but the Spirit of Jesus who raised from the dead dwells in who? You. Say me. me. Say me. 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 The Spirit of the Lord, if you trusted in Christ, some of y'all shouldn't have said me. That was my fault. Some of y'all should say me. Hopefully a lot of y'all. Some of y'all haven't trusted in Jesus. You ain't got the Spirit. I don't want you to think you do. You need to follow Him today. Receive the Spirit of God. All right? I just made you lie. That's my fault. Pastors are not supposed to do that. But for all of you who have trusted in Jesus, me. The Spirit of Jesus raised from the dead gives life to me. Me. Not just the pastor or whoever. Me. You. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of what? Spirit. The Spirit. For what? The common good. Look I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If we just get rid of the show thing, say, oh, if the pastor preaches good enough, the worship good enough, and I hope to preach, of course, I try to preach good sermons, okay? I'm not trying to preach bad sermons. But if we just get rid of that, say, this is what it's all about, and we show up, and we say, of course, we're going to do these things, but every single person who shows up, has the spirit of Jesus who was raised from the dead living in you. And you've been given a spiritual gift that manifests the work of the spirit for the common good. So everybody in here benefits when you come ready. One of the things we say a lot is we come to serve and not be served. And that's just not a leader mentality. That should be everybody to say God has by his grace, not by my skills, not by my God has, because he's merciful, giving me something useful. He has given me a gift. And it's something Pastor Nate can't do. And it's something Pastor John Taylor, whoever can't do. Something, whatever. It's something these people can't do. And I'm supposed to do when I show up. And it's powerful because the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is working in that gift. And when I express that gift, 
the death-defying power of Jesus comes out. And now my place here matters so much because the victory, the conquering of the grave power is placed in me and it finds its way through my gift. So when I surrender my, well, I call them skills, but yeah, skills was just an S word, okay? It's probably not even the best word, but it was an S word, so it worked. I call them skills, which say I surrender my gifts, then the Lord is going to work powerfully through me. And if we all showed up, Lord, I've been praying we build a church where everybody shows up who knows how and knows what to do with their spiritual gift. That's why we have basic training. So come to basic training, four weeks. We're going to help you find, become aware of, and develop your spiritual gifts. Because this church will go nowhere if y'all just show up. That's not the point. We all got to find our place and be used. The Bible tells us very specifically to not quench the spirit. I think so often we do that. All right. Surrender your suffering. So we surrender your steps. I pursue a spiritual lifestyle. That's the way to walk by spirit. I surrender my skills or my gifts. And I use my spiritual gifts. I find them, I use them. That's a way to pursue a led by the spirit lifestyle. Surrender your suffering. Being led by the spirit means we expect to suffer with Jesus. Look at that at the end there. If children, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Now remember, what, the, what we call unusual, the Bible calls what? Normal. <clears throat> this is why First Peter said, don't think it's strange when you encounter many various forms of suffering, many fiery trials. And one of the things some of you needed to hear was your, your suffering that you're in right now is not a battle for you to win, it's something for you to surrender. I'm just tired, you know? And it's not for you to overcome. It's something for you to surrender, to say, Lord, I know I'm one of yours. I know that because of what we're going to see, the voice of the Father in my life. And I also know that you suffer. And I know that the way of Christianity is, is suffering. Right? You can't have a resurrection without a death. We love resurrections. We hate death. But you've got to go through one to get to the other. And the Lord is telling you that right now in your own life. He's saying, hey, stop striving, stop struggling, start surrendering. Just take your suffering and give it to me. Just give it to me. I'm not saying I'll make it go away all at once. I'm not saying it will feel better tomorrow when you do. But I'm saying surrender it to me. Give it to me. You're walking on the path of Jesus. You're being united with Jesus. So join God in what he's doing in your suffering. You are, look, heirs with Christ. If you suffer with him, you will also be glorified. If we suffer, if we surrender our suffering, that end result is glory with Jesus. Okay, the fourth one, surrender your speech. Being led by the Spirit means we speak much of Jesus. Acts 1.8. It's not even in Romans, but I thought it was super important. Uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why will you receive power from the Spirit? To be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Israel. So surrender your speech. Being led by the Spirit practically means I make an intentional effort to say His name and to talk about Him more often, both with believers and unbelievers. Okay, the next one. I think I can do this in five minutes. Be sensitive to the voice of God. So surrender to the will of God. Be sensitive to the voice of God. John 10, the sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And I do think there's something here that's very personal. To say, you, by the Spirit of God in you, recognize the voice of your shepherd. 
Sometimes it's a still small voice. Sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes it's a leading. It's a prompt. It's a burden. But you recognize his voice, so you know it's from him, because you're one of his. We're sensitive to the voice of God. I think this is one that we've really just left behind, because we're so scared of getting it wrong. Be sensitive to the voice. Look at this. Be sensitive to the voice of our Father. Being led by the Spirit means we experience personal intimacy with Jesus, with the Father, with Jesus and God the Father. Romans 8, 15, and 16. You do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You receive the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know what I'm saying? This is part of what we're getting at. Even the first thing that Mary and Martha, just being at the feet of Jesus, is that you were made to experience personal intimacy with God. And it's not always mediated by a pastor or a friend or a church. You were made by the Spirit to say, Abba, Father. You know, to be sitting at your home like, God, you're my father. I love you. I hear your voice. Thank you. You know, this is a normal, what we call unusual, like super Christian. The Bible says, if you have the spirit, this is your heart cry. You experience intimacy with the father. You love him. He loves you. You're talking back and forth. You hear, you're sensitive to his voice. And you're not just, we are talking about last week, secondhand Christianity. Always living off what someone else said about God. We gotta get off that. The Bible's calling you to first-hand experience here, intimacy with God. You're sensitive to his voice. He has called you his son or his daughter. He loves you. If you've trusted in Jesus, you're in his family. He wants to speak to you through the word, to lead you and guide you, to make you know his presence. He wants to, he wants you to feel him, you know, not just know him. So being led by the Spirit means to experience personal intimacy with the Father. So you're sensitive to the voice of your Father. And now you're sensitive to the voice of your leader. Being led by the Spirit means we follow the Spirit's leading in our everyday lives. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will make everything known to you at once. No. That's what we would love it to say. When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll tell you everything you need to know right now. No. When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. Let me show you what this looks like a little bit. Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called him. We have no idea what that means. Was it a voice? Did he say something audibly? Did somebody like said something and stood up and said, I think the Holy Spirit said. Nobody knows. But what we're learning is he's our leader. And he's guiding his people into truth. And what we call unusual, the Bible calls normal. Acts 16, 6-7. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. How? We don't know. I think it's a lot of the same as what I was explaining to you before with my experience with the school. Don't go here, go here. Here's a few reasons why. Here's what's happening. Okay. You know, I don't know. It doesn't say. But it says, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And one of those things is, where should you go? So he did not allow them to go there. And I'm telling you, all of us need to recover, based off the spirit within us, that type of experience with him. I want you to walk around and just be sensitive. And learn. I'm in the grocery store. What do you have for me? There's some work for you to do in the grocery store, probably. What's going on? What can I do? Why don't you be sensitive? Sensitive. He will guide you. Don't you? Acts 8.29, I love this. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So after he had transported him, which would be crazy. I don't know if that still happens, but 
I do know the Spirit still speaks to us. After the Spirit said to Philip, go join this chariot. So, uh, this is where we're going to close. The Spirit says to Philip, hey, go join the chariot. And so Philip jumps in right, and the guy's reading Isaiah 53, which is crazy, you know, all the Lord. And he explains it to him. He gets saved, baptized, and he goes back to his country and shares the gospel with everybody that he knows. The Spirit said to Philip, go join this chariot. And I think this is one of the ones we need to recover the most, where the Spirit prompts you and I to go share the gospel with people we don't know. You know, yesterday I was talking to a friend. He comes to this church, and he was telling me about um, an experience with his grandfather this weekend. And he said he knows his grandfather needs the gospel, and he had planned to share it with him, you know, at another thing soon. But he was with him on Saturday, and he, he, this is how he described it. I think this is pretty accurate. I felt an overwhelming burden to do it now. Now what? I, if that's too subjective for you, I'm sorry, but this is what it is. I felt, no, what is that? The Holy Spirit said you got to do it now. He's going to die tomorrow. No. He didn't say that. But... Because he has the Spirit of God, he's sensitive to his voice. voice, which came in that time as an overwhelming burden. Anybody who's experienced that, say amen. Somebody can be, y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm probably the only one. Are we crazy? Okay. This is what it means. Has to go join this chariot. Go talk to those people. I didn't hear audibly, but it was clear as day. You do it now or you're being disobedient. You're in sin. I remember I'll close with this story. I was in a Back in my old job uh, at Montgomery County campus, I was driving in the parking lot. I was late for a meeting, which is so unusual for me. Always on time. And <laughs> the people who really know me are like, I was driving in, and I pulled up, and I'm late. And there's these three girls. There's a hair salon next door, and there's these three girls sitting there. Man, I'll never forget this. And, uh, I just felt clear as day, an overwhelming burden to go talk to them. It was, hey, Nate, go join that talk. The Spirit said to Nate, go join that talk. It was as clear as that. I was like, yes, Lord. And you know how you know how I know that's from the Spirit? Well, the devil's not going to tell me to go share the gospel. And I'm probably not going to tell myself to go share the gospel. You know what I'm saying? So the only person left is God. All right? So when, this, when, when you're sensing something that's already in line with something you're supposed to do in the Bible, that's the Spirit. Do it. You're supposed to make disciples and share the gospel. So if you're like, man, I should go share that. I wonder who that's from. Yes, it's from God. Nobody else is going to tell you that. You know, I'm supposed to write an encouraging note. Yes, it's from the Lord. The devil's not going to tell you to do that, you know? I'm supposed to go to the club tonight. From the devil, you know what I'm saying? I know. I know. Just if it's already something you're supposed to do and you sense you need to do it now, that's from the Lord. Very simple. Okay? It's in the Bible. So we were in the parking lot. And I was like, go talk to them. I said, okay, for sure. I go up and I talk with them. And I sit down. You know, I'm like, there's just three girls. First of all, I'm like, I'm married. I'm not hitting on you. Number one, number one, promise. I do not want your number. I seriously started with that. <laughs> but I am a pastor here, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to come talk to you. Can I pray for you? Something going on? I'm telling you, this girl, her name was Desiree, boom, starts bawling. Just weeping, uncontrolled. Two friends are sitting there like, it's okay. I'm like, uh, <laughs> this is kind of uncomfortable right now. <laughs> She's like, you know, I thought about killing myself last night. And that's all she said. And then I was like, you know, Lord, Lord, you brought me here. You tell me what to say. You know? And then we began just again say, oh, man, the Lord has brought me here for you. Man, he was there with you last night. He saw that. He loves you. He made me late to my meeting. I'm never late to meetings. That's why I'm here. He brought me here for you. He put it on my heart. I'm supposed to be in a thing right now. I'm going to get in trouble. But he 
Look at that, Desiree. He loves you. He brought me here for you. And I think one of the things the Spirit does is he, he quickens on your heart. He makes a special touch of something you already know to be true. It's true biblically that God loves Desiree, 100%. But because we were led by the Spirit, she felt it. She experienced it. She knew it. It was like a special kiss from God. And that's what we're trying to pursue together. Not being all crazy and not just following, you know, every nachos you eat and feeling like you should do this or that. Not that. But you see what I'm saying? In line with the Spirit of God, submitted to the Word of God, sensitive to His voice, surrendered to His will to say, I think you're telling me to go talk to them. That's in the Bible. Okay, I don't want to talk to them, but surrender. Okay. And so I'm going to go talk, and then the Spirit does the rest. And I'm telling you, if there's hundreds of people living like that every day, can you imagine? This is why we say the services are not a landing place, but a launching pad. Because it's not about this gathering only. It's about being equipped and filled and sent out to go do this in your everyday lives. To go be led by the Spirit, surrender to His will, sensitive to His voice. Let me pray for you as the band's going to come back up. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for this time in your Word. We Lord, we just want to be led by the Spirit. We want to do it right. We want to do it according to the Bible. We want to do it with wisdom, but we want to do it. But Lord, we don't want to leave out the Spirit of God in our discussions because we're unclear sometimes. So I just pray, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you would lead, that you would teach us what it means to lead by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, create a group of people that are surrendered to your will and sensitive to your voice. And help us, God, as we leave from this place to go make a real difference Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because we were empowered and filled with the Spirit to go walk by the Spirit in our daily lives. So, Lord, make it so, God. Do more work through the week than you do here, just because we're everywhere. So, Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.